Holy Spirit, we're waiting here for you this morning. Not because you're not here, because Lord, your word says that where two or three are, you are in their midst, and surely we've, meet, we've met that quorum. But God, we are waiting here for that manifest presence of your Holy Spirit to show himself strong this morning in this place, oh God, to show himself strong. Lord, you know of signs and wonders. Lord, you went about the the earth proclaiming miracles, performing miracles, oh God. The dead were raised, the sick were healed, the bound were set free. And this morning in this place, oh Holy Spirit, we are looking to you to give us another Pentecost. We want to see a Pentecost in our day and in our time. We don't want to just know of it in the Word of God. But Lord, this morning we are waiting here for you. Because you said that when you would go to the Father, you would send forth your Holy Spirit. And so today, Lord, there are those in our midst they've experienced the Holy Spirit that came with their salvation they tasted of that Holy Spirit that guided them to that place of conviction of knowing they needed a Savior but God there's a greater experience that awaits those who want to dip into the waters of the Holy Spirit's power who want to receive that Holy Spirit language God this morning do it again Lord do it again Lord I don't know if you guys are convincing me you know usually when you say do it again there's something that propensiates that do it again not yes anybody could respond to it yes but when you say do it again with everything that is within you when you say do it again and it comes from your inner part from deep within and God can makes connection with that soul's cry that saying yeah I'm gonna do it again because my child has asked me to so when you call upon the Lord this morning and you say do it again can you do me a favor just for me but for you more importantly cry out do it again from your innermost being ask him God do it again today do it again in our midst oh God let us taste of your Holy Spirit let us taste of your power oh God may we not go home to change let us not go home but not be changed oh God Lord we want to experience you we're not just here for not another glory hour. We're here to taste and to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I guess amen means you may be seated. <laughs> you can stand if you want. Might get me excited. Oh, well, anyways, Acts comes after John, and when I get to Acts, we'll be there. Is everybody feeling good this morning? All right. 
Praise the Lord. Well, it's Pentecost Sunday. I, I'm just going to ask you, can you guys talk to me today? Because <laughs> I, I know some of you have it within you, because I, I hear you greet each other and and you know, you get all excited. And I've seen some of you laugh. And when you laugh, you have these belly laughs, and everything within you is laughing. But I don't know what happens when you walk through the sanctuary doors and you step into a pew, but you become rather reserved. I'm not Pastor Dino, but apparently, uh, uh, you, you that are watching on, online, uh, just to let you know, I'm, I'm the sidekick here, I'm Melody. But they'll change that and put malady up there. But yeah, so you, you're looking rather reserved. But we hope that the Holy Spirit will lay hold of you this morning that you could be reserved no more. So we started last week with the ascension of our Lord. And today is a continuation, more so of last week. As we turn into Acts, which was written by Luke, and um, we read from Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, and then we will jump over to the neighboring chapter of chapter 2, and we'll read verses 1 through 4. And it says this, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now some of you have to turn your page and some of you just have to look down to the bottom right. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together kind of like us today, in one place, like us still. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that, Lord, you are here. Lord, we just bind every distraction of the enemy, every confusion of the mind that would prohibit your word from being engrafted into us today. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Open up the minds of our understanding 
that we may receive all that you have for us today. And Lord, let your power fall in the name of Jesus. Amen. So here they were in Jerusalem, and Jesus said to them, tarry here in Jerusalem. Why would he have asked them to tarry in Jerusalem? Why Jerusalem? Why not Capernaum? Why not Bethsaida? Why not the Mount of Olives? Why not where he went and, and he performed miracles? Why not it in places like where the man that was blind received his sight? Why not in the Mount of Olives where Peter struck the soldier's ear and the Lord restored the man's ear to place? Why did he not call them to go to the Mount of Olives? And then at least while they were there, they would be able to recall this was a place where God did, where, where healing happened. Why not in Capernaum where, where many were brought to him to be healed, as I said? And while there, even Peter's mother-in-law, I believed, received a healing. Why not in Bethsaida where the man that was blind received his sight? And Jesus took him out of that village and he said to him, do not return. Why not to a place where the blind eyes are opened? Why not have his disciples wait for the promise of his Holy Spirit where their eyes could be opened to who he truly is? Why did he ask them to wait here in Jerusalem? Tarry in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you why the sound of a wind why did God need to announce his entrance with the sound of his of a wind when his his own son walked the earth why the sound of a wind why the demonstration of fire cloven tongues of fire why would God need to represent himself, his Holy Spirit, in the form of a fire? Can you imagine with me this morning? Can we be those 120 disciples waiting in that upper room? Waiting for the promise. Were you ever as a child in that place of waiting when daddy comes home? He's got a surprise for you. Oh, waiting, looking at the clock. Is he going to be home yet? Not yet, sweetie. When is he coming? Two more sleeps. Is he home yet? No, not yet, sweetie. When is he coming? One more sleep. Waiting and waiting because why? Daddy promised that when he would come back, he would have a gift. He would have something for them. What was that gift going to be? What would you do with that gift? Where would you take that gift? What would that gift look like? Who would be the first one you would tell what your father gave? you all the disciples knew that the promise was the Holy Spirit they knew that because John 14 verse 16 says I will ask the father and he will give you another helper 
to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. What could this Holy Spirit look like? What could he look like? What will he do with us? Will we walk with him like we did with Jesus? Will he tell us some great things? Will we see miracles like he did, like Jesus did? What will the Holy Spirit look like? Could you enter into that place where the disciples were as they were waiting? Because maybe if your mind was as inquisitive as theirs was, maybe your heart would engage with those thoughts and say, oh, Lord, I hope it's even better than what I'm imagining. I hope it's even greater than what I could think. What will the Holy Spirit say to us? What miracles will he perform? Remember, they had walked with Jesus for three years. Of course, they are going to comparatively think of the Holy Spirit and how they saw Jesus was with them. They're going to compare this wonderful promise of the Father to be something like Jesus or better because he was being sent from Jesus. So anticipation, excitement, like that child awaiting for the promised gift on the return of their parent. They waited, and they waited, and they waited. And then suddenly, suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. There came a sound from heaven like like a mighty rushing wind. There wasn't a wind that blew into the room. There wasn't doors flying open, windows shattering. There wasn't that type of a demonstration, but there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Have you ever been inside your house on a snowstorm? And you hear the whistling of the wind outside. You don't need to know that it is cold outside, you could tell by the whistling of the wind. Likewise, in the summer months when there's a strong wind, you don't need to go outside to, te to test the strength of the wind. You can tell by the swaying of the trees, the branches hitting the roof of your home. You know the strength behind the wind, not because you went into the wind or saw the wind, but because you heard the sound of the wind. And there they were waiting, and suddenly there came a sound. The sound like a mighty rushing wind. We're going to look at two words. And they're not brand new words. You have heard them said from this pulpit before. The one is the Hebrew word ruach. The other one is the Greek word pneuma. Ruach and pneuma. Whether you're looking in the Old Testament, you're going to see the ruach of God. And if you're looking in the New Testament, you're going to see the pneuma of God. They both refer to the wind, the breath. 
of God. The spirit of God. So whether we're using Ruach or whether we're using Numa, we are recognizing that there is the spirit of God behind that. There is the wind of God behind that. There is the demonstration of the breath of God behind that. Just to read into the context, you would understand what is being represented. Suddenly, there was a sound. Where did the sound come from? The sound came from heaven. The sound was not something mustered up within the disciples' prayer time, was not mustered up within the noise of them talking and being boisterous amongst themselves. The sound came from heaven, and that sound that came from heaven was the ruach of God. It was the breath, the spirit of God and it was breathing into that room as a wind the Holy Spirit then is that wind he comes suddenly he comes suddenly and whenever there's an atmosphere that is perhaps dry or dead that suddenly will change everything if all of a sudden there was a sonic sound within the sanctuary this morning, immediately everybody would turn towards the sound. There would be a sudden shift of our attention. And likewise with the sound of the rushing wind entering into that upper room, it quickened what was happening in the room. It quickened the disciples. Could this be it could this be the promise what and immediately there was an engagement with the sound suddenly the spirit came and instantly instantly the atmosphere changed the atmosphere changed have you ever been in church where you walk through the sanctuary doors you know it was a bad morning Everything went wrong that morning. The dog had an accident in the house. The cat got out. The bird wouldn't go in the cage. You got stuck in traffic. Everything was miserable. The coffee at the drive-thru had two sugars and you wanted no sugar. Everything went wrong and blah, you came into church. Oh, but the music started. The strum of the guitar, the, the, the keys of the melody playing, and the song began to fill your heart, and suddenly there was a shift within you. From that miserable nanny goat to being somebody filled with joy. Somebody filled with joy. Why? Because where there is the presence of the Holy Spirit, where there is the evidence of his workings, there will be change. I, I don't agree with these people that say, I'm sorry, I just can't change. Well, th the only thing that I will agree, let me correct myself, then you can't. Because you can't. I'm sorry, I just can't change. Well, I'm sorry, you can't then. But if you surrendered yourself 
to the Holy Spirit, I can't change. But Holy Spirit, you can change me. You can transform me. Holy Spirit, would you just breathe the wind and the breath of your spirit into my life. Blow through every area of my life. Blow through every area of debris and hurt and anger and frustration and disappointment. Blow it out, every area of sin that held me bound. Blow it out. Holy Spirit, I just trust you to come in and transform me. I surrender myself to you. The only thing about I can't change, I'm sorry I can't change, is that you're right that you can't change, but the Holy Spirit can change you. What changed? What happened? The wind of heaven, the sound from heaven came and entered the atmosphere of that room and everything changed. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter three, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from for, or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. What was Jesus saying to Nicodemus here? There is an unexpected nature of the Holy Spirit. There is an unpredictable nature of the Holy Spirit that cannot be determined. What are the, a couple of those things? His timing. We can't specifically say, well, it's ten past the hour, the Holy Spirit. Spirit should be here any moment now. The timing of the Holy Spirit is not something that we could predict or expect to take place at a specific moment. We can only wait on it. The other thing about this Holy Spirit that Jesus was teaching Nicodemus here was that his manner of working cannot be predicted. Why is it that same wind that blows down a street during a hurricane will lift the roof off of one house, will tear and uproot a tree off of another house, but the house in between those two was not touched? Because you cannot predict the wind. You can only see the results. You can only see where it's been. We cannot predict the Holy Spirit, but we could see where he is working. We can see what he is doing by the evidence of what is taking place. I can see a life that God is changing by their countenance, by the way they used to walk and talk, by how they are no longer walking and talking. We don't see and know specifically the Holy Spirit is unexpected and un unpredictable. Just like that rushing wind. Just like that sound. It's mysterious. 
Have you ever considered or has anybody ever been in Florida during the time of a spaceship re-entering the Earth's atmosphere, NASA's spaceship coming back from its mission into space? Has anybody ever experienced that sound? I was in Florida, and I shared this one time before, and I was in the area of Melbourne, the landing, the, the incoming of the spaceship was, co was coming in the Cocoa Beach area, so I was about 20 minutes drive from that, so miles, maybe 20 to 30 miles away. When that spaceship entered into Earth's atmosphere, because that spaceship was traveling faster than sound, it was traveling at a hypersonic speed. When it entered into Earth's atmosphere, it comes in with a bang that can be felt some 30 plus and more miles away. I was in a condo, a condo that is all cement, and I heard it and I still jumped. First of all, because I didn't expect it, nor did I see it, because from where I was, there would be nothing but maybe a spot in the sky, and if that was all that I could see. But I'm going to tell you this, I surely heard it, and I surely felt it, because that sonic boom made everything within me, just a millisecond of a moment, just everything within me, boom. It comes in like a bang that I could not even demonstrate it to you today when the Holy Spirit comes in. When the Holy Spirit comes in, there is a demonstration. There is a demonstration. That's why I don't understand people that want to shut aside his workings and, and the demonstration of his power. I want to say to them, here, there's a socket. Can you please put your finger in that 120 amps? Just do me a favor. While you say that my Holy Spirit doesn't operate that way, and that was for then and there, can you just do me a favor? I just want to have a living example moment with you right now. Could you put your finger in the socket? What would happen to that poor soul? They might go flying 20 feet. They might stand there and shake to death. There's going to be a demonstration because that is a powerful 120 volts of amps going through their body. How much more the power of the Holy Spirit when he comes? How much more when he comes into your life? There will be a demonstration of his power because he is all-powerful. There's life within the nature of that Holy Spirit. The Ruach of God breathes life breathes life. Job said this in 33 verse 4, the Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The Spirit of God has made me and the breath, the Ruach of the Almighty gives me life. So it's not just in the demonstration of the wind, it's in the demonstration of the 
The breath that you and I took this morning as we woke up. The breath that kept us alive in our sleep. The first breath a baby makes when it is born. And when that baby's not breathing, the doctors are doing everything they can. The team is working on that child, rubbing their sternum, shaking their body, rubbing, trying to get the baby to breathe. And their last resort would be to put the oxygen on with hopes that in giving breath, the baby will take breath. And God demonstrates it. What would you be like if the Spirit of God this morning breathed into you? What would you be like if the Spirit of God just came and blowed through your pew? What would you be like? Wind would seem to be the most obvious comparison to the Holy Spirit. But it's not the only comparison. As I said, wind, spirit, and breath. What happened to Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones? What happened? There was a demonstration of both the wind and the breath. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 9 says this, Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord, come from the four winds. (laughs) Prophesy to the breath and come from the four winds and breathe on these that they may what? Live. The Spirit of God comes to give you life, life that you're not sitting there dreading and, and, and bewildered by the day. But the Spirit of God comes to breathe into you that life that you would have a hope and a purpose, that you would not be overtaken by, the, by what seems to be dead in your life. Here were there bo- these bones But God said, Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy to the breath. I want you to prophesy to the breath and say to the four winds. I speak to the north wind. I speak to the south wind. I speak to the east wind. I speak to the west wind. And I say, breathe! That's what God called Ezekiel to do. Is that the only time that we saw the Ruach of God demonstrated as breath other than what we read in Job? No, because you see, if we go back to Genesis chapter 1, we see Genesis 1 verse 2 that says, the wind of the Spirit was hovering over the waters. But then in Genesis 2 Verse 9, I believe it's verse 9, verse 7, we see what? God breathed the Ruach, that's the Holy Spirit, into man. So we see the wind and the breath both being demonstrated. And who is the wind and the breath demonstrating? It is demonstrating none other than the Spirit of the living God. 
God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He breathed into his nostrils the ruach of God. But that wasn't the only moment that the ruach of God was demonstrated. It started in the very beginning. It started while it was hovering over the waters. But I like how Ecclesiastes said, Solomon, in chapter 11, verse 5, as you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. As you do not know how the spirit comes to the bones in the womb. You see, the bones in the womb was a living being. The bones in the valley were dead. It is the same spirit that brings life to the dead places of your life and to the living places of your life. We don't always understand the workings of God's spirit, but they are the workings of God. God himself. Jesus in chapter 20 of John said to his disciples, he just shows up, and then Jesus was standing there. And then Jesus was standing there. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. What did he do? He breathed. As God breathed into Adam, into his nostrils, the living breath of God, why? Because God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are all one, working in synchronization together. The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus who points us to the Father. And Jesus breathed into them, breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Spirit of God. So when the Holy Spirit enters into a room or enters into a life, there is a suddenly. I have seen babies after they are born, moments after they are born, and uh, just because I did a student rotation in the, in the delivery room, and some of them don't always come out breathing, right? Others come out, and within a second, you hear that curdling cry you know that there is breath you know that there is life because you hear the cry the parents have not even yet seen their child but they hear the cry and they know what their child is alive why because there was a suddenly that went from a pushing place that went from a pressing in place that went from a place i can't do it anymore 
to a sudden cry that breathed life, that declared there is still life. And that is the workings of the Holy Spirit. That is a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. There are going to be times when you will say, I just can't do it anymore. I just can't take it anymore. This pain is hurting me too much. This burden is more than I can bear. I don't have the energy within me to go on, but press in, press on, because the evidence of the Holy Spirit that is living within you will come in a sudden moment, and there will be life in that situation. Why? Because there's the suddenlies, the suddenlies, and suddenly there was a sound. There was a sound. The Holy Spirit suddenly enters into a dead space, and the result is life. He suddenly wants to show up in your life today, and the results could be seen, and they could be felt. You will leave this place, and you will bump into somebody, and you're going to notice they're just looking at you differently. They just don't know what it is. But it's the overflow of the Spirit of God in you that they are seeing. Although we cannot see the wind, the results can be seen and felt, as we've said. The same of the Holy Spirit. I can't see him this morning, but I see him as I look around the room. I see him as he's moving on your heart, as he's stirring within your spirit. I see him in the countenance of your face. I see him as some of you, your countenance already has changed from that weighted down look to a look of hope. That is not anything more than the Holy Spirit evidence that he is already doing his thing within you. When Ezekiel walked through the valley of the dry bones, there was no form of life, right? These bones were dead. They were more than dead. They were scattered. Scattered. Some were here. Imagine... (laughs) I hate to make it this way, but can we just engage it for a moment? Imagine it was your bones and your leg is over there and your arm is over there. (laughs) And God says Ezekiel prophesied to the breath. And what happened in the scripture? It said the bones came together. There was a rattling. There was a sound. There was a sound. And every displaced part of you came together in that valley, in that dead place. Every displaced part of you, every part of you that was carried away over here by the cares of that, every part of you that was destroyed in that hurt and that shame, that came together and formed life. And the Spirit of God brewed over you. And what happened? They stood up a vast army. It didn't matter that their leg was over there. It didn't matter that their arm was over there. It It didn't matter that their their skull was ahead of them. It mattered what? That the spirit showed up in the response of breathe, in response of the prophetic word. Prophesy to the bones. Prophesy to the bones. 
And as the four winds came together and worked with the power of God, those four winds worked and brought every bone to its unit and intended family member. And they formed a body. Oh, breath, oh, breath. Breathe. Breathe. Come from the four winds. Breathe on these slain. Breathe in this house today, breath of God. Breathe in the house of God today. Breathe in the house of God. Ezekiel said, so I commanded as he, I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them and put, put my spirit And he says this, the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army, not just one or two standing there. What do we do now? What just happened? No, they stood up an army. An army is a contingent of people that is ready to go forth. An army is a contingent of people that is ready for battle. An army is a contingent of people that has their weapons in place and says, where's the war? I'm going to it. I'm going to win this. I've got the victory within me. I've got the breath of life within me. They stood there on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And God says, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Then you shall know I am the Lord. Because I have spoken. I have spoken. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Why? Because over here when you were four years old, somebody wounded you and broke you and left you shattered to pieces. And you thought you could never be the same again. You never trusted because of what happened to you when you were four years old. But the Spirit of God goes and he scoops up those broken pieces. And he brings it back to you. And there he puts it in place with you. And he says, breathe. That is no longer who you are. Oh, that disease. All you see before you is that hospital bed that speaks of sickness and disease and a fearful what if, what will become of, what shall I do, where, and the thoughts consume you, but you walk out of the hospital, you're discharged with the, with the paper that says nothing more can be done. And the Spirit of God says, I was in that hospital room with you and I'm gathering up all those pieces and I'm going to breathe life into you. That's the sound. That's the sound that they heard. They heard the sound of the Spirit. They heard the sound of the Spirit. It sounded like a mighty rushing wind. It wasn't a wind in that incident, but it sounded like a wind. We looked at the demonstrations of the wind so that we can understand how that sound could have been. But then when we see the wind and the breath, that totality of the Ruach working together in in Ezekiel's valley, we understand what the disciples saw 
when they heard the sound like a wind. But why the fire? Why the fire, Lord? Why the fire? It's a symbol also of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3.11, we said it. It was in our portion of Acts 1, verses 4 through 8. I baptize you with water, but there is one greater. There's one greater. He who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. 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 And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Put up the title screen, if you would. That's a living picture. That's a living picture that I took at a, at a service of young people. I shared this many years ago when I first came here. And Josh knows because he was there. So it's not a made-up picture. It wasn't anything that I developed or made through Photoshop. It happened in the moment. And the children were worshiping God at the altar at a service. They, the young people had been experiencing a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They were excited for what they had been experiencing. And as I've said before in this house, we went from having all-night prayer meetings and then a special children's service. And this one special children's service where the youth were uh, praying for the young children at the altar. I was especially taken at worship time to see children with their hands raised, worshiping God, singing and worshiping God. And I said, oh, I want a picture of this. And so I got out the camera that I had, just a plain ordinary camera that after you take a picture, it shows the picture on the back, no big deal, because I'm no photographer. And I promise you, I did not take the picture because I saw cloven tongues of fire on the children. I did not take the picture. I got to capture this moment. The Holy Spirit is here. It wasn't that. I, I wanted to capture the moment because I was so taken in with the fact that out of these mouths of babes, out of these young children, they were worshiping God and singing to God. And I wanted to keep that picture as a memory. And so I took the picture, and there was a lady in our church. Her name was Sandra, standing next to me. And as I took the picture, I looked at the screen, and I said, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And she says, Melody, what is it? I said, Sandra, you have to look at this picture. And there was how it developed. You could see a little bit in the shaded part of children, but there's how it developed, cloven tongues. And I just took it, dismiss it if you want. I don't care. I know what the Lord did that night. I know that it was real. And I know that it could only be God that wanted to say to me, I'm in this place with these children. 
and I'm demonstrating myself to them. And you know what's even beautiful? I didn't include it because you know what happens? People go on the internet and they steal pictures. But the, the full picture in the upper left-hand corner is a priest. Not a priest as you would see in a Roman Catholic church. I don't mean by that. I mean the, there is the image of a priest in his ephod. And I said, Jesus. Because why? He ascended to the Father. He is that high priest. Jesus, you're in the house. And you're in the image that will forever be with me of your tangible presence, the living witnessing of your Holy Spirit. But you know what had to happen that morning? For that demonstration of fire to even take place, we, excuse me, it wasn't a morning, it was an evening, it was a Friday night. Everybody that was there had to come together with one intention, to worship God. Every young person, it might have been even Josh that was leading the band that day, I don't recall, but I recall his sisters being part of the worship in that. Every, uh, every person that was there of the youth that were leading this service for the children had to come into agreement with one thing. It was all about God Amen. and what he was going to do for the young people. It was all about him. Why? Because it's a demonstration of his power. So where am I? Because God is an all-consuming fire. He's an all-consuming fire. So he will demonstrate himself in the fire. As well in, his, in Leviticus, he says... The fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. You know, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, I was, uh, um, CP24 was talking about the fires in Alberta last week. And while they were talking about the fires in Alberta, do you know that the effects of the fire in Alberta were being seen in the Toronto area? The residual of the fire was seen as far as Toronto, Ontario. And some other parts, I believe Buffalo was also being one saying that they were seeing the residual of the fire. Why? Because when the fire burns, it spreads. It spreads. That's why we encourage you in church, worship God. Because the person next to you may need a little bit of the Jesus. Amen. Worship him. Worship him. You see, you don't know what they came to church with today. You don't know how they're feeling. You don't know what, what's in their heart. You don't know the battle that is before them. But if they tasted a little bit of Jesus if they got a saturation of the Holy Spirit because you engaged in that worship place, it will make all the difference on the week ahead for them. 
That's why we say worship the Lord. Not because it tickles our ears, not because it builds up our ego, but it's because it's for you. And it's for you with your relationship with God. And it's for the overflow that others will get from you. The fire of God is a person. That person is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the key to our past. He's the key to our spiritual zeal, and he's the key to revival. How could I say that? Well, because in Exodus chapter 3, Moses saw phenomenon. Did I say that right? Doesn't matter. I spell incorrectly and I speak incorrectly, but you all know what I'm saying. (laughs) So he saw a phenomenon, something like that what he said and so they saw he saw this and he was captivated by it and as he begins to walk towards it he sees a bush that is burning the closer he gets to the bush something greater is noticed something greater and more powerful is noticed this bush is ablazed but it is not being consumed it's ablazed, but it's not being consumed. Why? Because the fire of God comes to set you ablaze, comes to set you ablaze. And the reason why the, the, fire, the, the bush wasn't being consumed, because what was happening wasn't in the natural. It was in the spiritual. Because I promise you this, that when the fire of the Holy Spirit comes into your life, it will consume you. It will consume you. But the reason why Moses was not seen in the natural that the bush was being consumed was so that he wouldn't confuse the works of man with the working of God. Because if that bush would have been consumed by that fire, then it could have been that man set that fire. Oh, but it wasn't consumed because it was a working of the Spirit of God. And so that bush was ablaze. I'm hot, and I want to take my jacket off, and I can't because I have a sleeveless shirt. The encounter with the fire of God comes to consume you, comes to take hold of you, comes to let others see that what you are witnessing in this life is my power, is a demonstration of me. Not because that prophet prayed over them, not because that bishop declared this, not because that one went, but because my Holy Spirit has touched that life. It's all the living Spirit of God. The fire of God is a person And that person is the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah said it this way in chapter 20, verse 9. It says, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name. There is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up within my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. I cannot. 
Moses left that burning bush, and God said to him, I want you to go to Pharaoh and speak to him. Essentially, Moses was commissioned to speak to Pharaoh that he would set God's people free. Are you kidding? You want me to go, 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 go to Pharaoh? Well, that's what he said. Up to that point, he didn't stammer, but all of a sudden, he stammered. See the workings of man, what it'll do? <laughs> I don't want to do it, Lord. I got a stammering tongue. Send Aaron. Oh, Lord, bring me back into focus. So I will not make mention. So Moses is going to be used of God because the power of God is working within him because he has seen the demonstration of the Spirit of God burning that bush, and he heard the voice of God, Moses, remove your sandals. Now, I don't want to remove my shoes because I'll disappear. Remove your sandals because the place you are standing on is holy ground. This is holy ground. And so Moses came into a holy encounter with a holy God who was called the Holy Spirit, and he was fueled with a fire. And he took on this burden for Israel that they would come to be free from their slavery. Jeremiah had that same burden. When he had the fire burning within him, he could not be shut up from spreading the gospel. It's burning within me like a fire. I can't contain it. I gotta preach. You don't understand. It's burning within me. I gotta share it with somebody. I've gotta share the gospel with somebody. That's how I could know the Spirit of God is alive within you when you gotta share it with somebody. When you gotta tell somebody what happened in church yesterday. What happened while you were driving on the way to work and the Holy Spirit was in your car and you just became undone like a weeping puddle of tears? I gotta tell you, I can't contain it because the Spirit of God is within me. When the fire of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the Word of God becomes alive in you and it becomes active and it becomes something that gives you an urgency. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you know God? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Oh, no, no, I don't want to hear about your Jesus. I got too many problems. I can't pay my bills. I'm behind in this. I can't do that. I'm behind in that. Oh, I, <clears throat> my car broke down last week and that, 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 that. And they begin to unpack a luggage of why they can't believe in God. And then you say, let me tell you about a time when my God took my luggage and he held my hand and he led me through every fire, every backdated pill, bill, every pain, every heartache, every situation of my life. I want to tell you about my God.
When the fire of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it burns. It burns within you. Those disciples were in that upper room, and the fire came upon them, and it landed on them as cloven tongues. And Peter went from this man that denied Jesus not too many days and weeks before to declaring him. You think we're a bunch of junk and fools? Let me tell you about my Jesus. You think I'm radical? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Why Jerusalem? Why Jerusalem? Well, because during that time in Jerusalem, it was the, the feast of Pentecost. The feast of, and I'm sorry to my Jewish brethren, Shavuot. If I said that correctly, Shavuot. There was a feast going on in Jerusalem. And you know what they were feasting over? The bountiful harvest of the first fruits. And there they had come from different regions all together. Thousands of them had come to that area of Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. And the Spirit of God knew what they would be celebrating, and he knew from what regions they would become from. And we touched on this last week. He knew that there would be Judeans in there. He knew there would be Samaritans in there. He knew all the parts of the region surrounding all the representation that would be there. And he said, I'm going to demonstrate my power because I told my disciples that they would take it to the ends of the earth. And so it has to happen in Jerusalem because there's many that are gathering here. And as they go home to their regions, they will take the fire that they heard of. They will take the encounter that they witnessed and they will share it with others. And my word will go forth. You see, it's not why Jerusalem. It's for the spreading of the word. It's for the spreading of the word. Acts 2 and 5 says, there were devout Jews from every nation, having Jews there from every nation. Can we just read it? Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Every nation under heaven. Right there in Jerusalem. Why? Why the fire? Why the wind? Because while they were there in the temple, praising God for their fruit, first fruits, they got to hear the entrance of the Holy Spirit come in. And I'm going to tell you, I wasn't there, but as much as I know how I would have responded if I was there, I would have said, What was that noise? What was that noise? And I would have ran to see what I was missing. I would have ran, and I know that many, the multitudes must have run, because as they got there, what was happening? The disciples were speaking in different languages. They weren't speaking gibberish. They were speaking in actual language, and they were being made fun of 
But let's read the text. I'm sorry, media team, just throw it in there. And at the sound, verse 6, and at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language and they were amazed and astonished, saying, are these Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? How is it that I hear you speaking in my native language and I'm understanding you? Sister Pauline, it's not like when you get speaking that Patois Jamaican. <laughs> when, you, when you Jamaicans get together and you all speak with one another, I, I don't know what you're all saying. But somewhere in there is a, is a joyful conversation because there's smiles and a laughing. But they're speaking, they're, they're patois. What's it called? That's what it's called. It's called patois, you see? And I don't even speak it. But the Holy Spirit knew the illustration. They heard it being spoken in their native language, the Parthians, the Medes, the Elim. Elamanites and those from Mesopotamia and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Pi that place as well and all the other places that you see up there listed. The Holy Spirit had them cover every language. Every language was covered. I might not be able to pronounce it, but the Holy Spirit could surely speak it. <laughs> Why? Because while they're hearing it spoken in their language, in their own tongue, they're hearing glory to God. Praise the almighty God. The son of the living God is risen and he is alive. He is victorious. Why do I know that? Because it says it spoke of the mighty works of God, creator. But then there were those that said they're filled with new wine because there will always be the naysayers that want to make fun of the Holy Spirit. And when I went to uh, a said university and I was taking uh, a universe, uh, excuse me, a course in the New Testament studies and, uh, well, we're in uh, the book of Acts and they didn't believe in the, the Holy Spirit that I knew about and so one of the students said, when we got to Acts chapter 2, because we were going chapter by chapter, yeah, I heard that there's these Pentecostals, and they swing from the lights. And I'm sitting there in the class, and I'm like, dear Jesus. I felt my spine get a chiropractic alignment of God. I promise you, everything within me just... just and, and they went on to make mock of the Pentecostal experience in the Holy Spirit. Well, granted, there are some people that when they get touched by the Holy Spirit, some cool things happen. But I've never seen anybody swing from lights. I've seen people fall out. I've seen people do this, this dance thing. I, I, I've, seen, I've seen people raise their hand and sing two octaves that their natural voice cannot, cannot reach. 
I've seen people break out that had been bound with depression, break out with such joy and laughter. But I've never seen anybody do cartwheels down the aisle and swing from lights. And I couldn't contain myself as I stood up and said, I'm sorry, but. And I just shared the truth of the power of the Holy Spirit. And what does he mean? And how does he come to embody us? You know that professor after class quickly got to the hall while I was walking to my next class and said, Melody. I thought, oh dear Jesus. Help me, Lord. You know I, I, I talk a lot, but I'd, I'd done myself in. And I just stood. I didn't turn around. I just stood and, and kind of made a slow motion. And he caught up with me and he said, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for sharing the truth this morning. And thank you for stepping out to do it. You know what is holding some people here bound from experiencing the Holy Spirit? The fact that you're quiet. The fact that you're embarrassed of him. The fact that you, there's a seed within you that says, well, that's not really the Holy Spirit. That little seed of doubt is toxic to the moving and flowing of the Holy Spirit. One last story, because the stories make it fun. I was praying with a young uh, woman at the altar, and um, the Lord was really moving on her life. He really, really was moving on her life, and honestly, I was just praying with her, and I wasn't really praying anything other than I was praying in the Spirit and agreeing with what the Lord was doing. And um, as a result, her father came up to the altar because at some point in time, the Lord began to move on her heart. And as he's moving on her heart, she began to weep and weep and weep unconsolably. And the father came and he says, Stop. You're stirring the emotions here. So I, I, knowing it, that it was the Holy Spirit and it had nothing to do, I wasn't even doing anything. This girl was just engaging with God and God was evidently doing something within her life. Respectfully, I stepped aside. Be careful when you interrupt the working of the Holy Spirit. Be careful. That young person today is neither serving God. That young person has gone as far left as they could go. They have engaged in as many things as they could engage because when the Spirit of God was moving upon their heart, somebody came and said, stop. That's the workings of man. Be careful. Be careful. There is a right place and a right time, but you better pray before you stop what God is doing. The Spirit of God this morning 
desires to engage with each of us here. The Spirit of God is a gentleman. He doesn't come to expose you, to make you vulnerable before people. What he comes to do in your life is to heal, restore, and touch you. That the greater works of God that he wants to do in and through you will be showing forth, not your deficiencies. This is where we have to be, brothers and sisters, as Pentecostals. And I even say that carefully, because for some people, they don't like to hear the word Pentecostal. But I'm sorry. I consider myself one because I've experienced the Holy Spirit. I'm third generation. I was speaking to my dad yesterday. I said, Dad, did your dad uh, get baptized in the Holy Spirit? You want to believe it. So then he spoke in tongues. Oh, yes. I says, um, what about Nono, your mom? And he says, Melody, we would come home from school at lunch hour, and we would find her in her room, and she would be praying in the Spirit. Lunch was prepared for them, but where was mom in the room praying in the spirit? These immigrants that come to Canada, they didn't have the privilege of going to a doctor when they were sick. Pray. Believe that God would touch you. Believe that God would heal you. When they were sick, the first thing they would do, pick up the phone and call who? The pastor. Not the doctor. The pastor. Why? Because they knew the pastor would lead them in a prayer. And the prayer of faith would touch them. They knew it because they believed it. And because they believed it, they experienced it. Oh, but then came my father and mother. They too had their experience with the Holy Spirit. And my mom said, this old man came and prayed for me. And when he was praying for me, I wanted to receive that Holy Spirit so much. I said, God, if he lets go of me and takes his hand off of me, I will grab a hold of his feet and keep him here until I receive you. I seen enough of the Holy Spirit moving that I wanted it. I wanted it. I wanted it. I wanted it. I saw women and men get baptized in the Holy Spirit, men that seemed to be big and macho Italianos, come to be puddly, sensitive, weepy men under the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the power of the Holy Spirit changes you. It transforms you. It consumes you and leaves you never the same. Never the same. And so I embarked on this journey to receive my Holy Spirit. I knew I had him when I got saved because how did I get saved? He had to convince me I needed salvation, but I wanted to experience him. I wanted to experience that baptism. I wanted to experience that encounter with him that he would give me a heavenly language. And with that heavenly language, when I didn't know how to pray for my own problems, I could just pray in the spirit and know that the spirit would make intercession. That when I was in a place,
place that I didn't feel comfortable. I could just pray in the Spirit and know that the Spirit would make all things right. Oh, I wanted that, and I sought it from the time I was 13 to 14 to 15. Some of my friends were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I was saying, Lord, why aren't I getting the baptism? Why haven't I received the tongues that you have for us? Lord, why can't I have the tongues? I was 15, I didn't get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I was 16, and I went to camp. Brayside Camp in Paris, Ontario, and the speaker spoke that night, and as he spoke, he spoke, I couldn't even tell you right now what he spoke on, but he made an altar call to receive the Holy Spirit. The altar was so packed, there was no room. And so he said to some of the, uh, some of the young people that were there, how many of you here have received the Holy Spirit? So several began to put their hands up. He says, I want those of you who have received the Holy Spirit to line the outside walls of this camp. And I want those of you who can't fit at the altar to find yourself a person on the outside walls of this camp and you get praying and you get believing until you receive. That service finished at 9 o'clock. It was after 11. And the Holy Spirit touched me. And I began to speak a language. That wasn't of my own. It was the language that came from him. It was a heavenly language. Why? Because that language was for me to talk with my God. Not to make a big demonstration of me, but to talk with my God. That I would have a language that the enemy cannot understand. I would have a language the enemy couldn't earwig on and say, oh, she's going to Jesus about this problem, eh? Stir up the pot. Stir up the pot of contention. Stir up the fires of problems. No, I had a heavenly language that I could speak to the Lord in. And when I was weighed down and didn't know how to pray, I knew I can trust that the Spirit of God would pray through me with his heavenly language. And when I would be joyful, I knew that I could pray and worship God in the heavenly language that he gave me and that it went up as praise and worship before his throne. This is the Holy Spirit we celebrate today. This is the Holy Spirit that Jesus sent for us. If Jesus never ascended, if he never ascended, we would not have this wonderful, powerful, fire-burning Holy Spirit. Oh, Pentecostals in the house today, don't keep silent. Don't you keep silent. You boast of your Jesus. You boast of your God. You worship in the Spirit. A matter of fact, I would encourage you all right now that you begin, those of you who have received the Spirit's language, that you would begin to pray in the Spirit. Because somebody here today, their deliverance is on the other side of your prayer. Somebody here today, their encounter with the Holy Spirit is on the other side of your intercession. Somebody here today will leave completely changed because you stepped into the fire of the Holy Spirit. And there's a 13-year-old girl looking saying, I want that. God, I want it. I want it. How can I have it, God? 
there's a child that's praying, I want a taste of this Holy Spirit. There's an adult that is saying, I won't believe it unless I get it for myself. You need to pray so that more and more could experience the flow of the Holy Spirit. And so with everything that is within me, I want to step out in faith and ask you, if you want to receive this Holy Spirit, in the manner of the heavenly language, because I know that we receive him at salvation. I'm speaking of our heavenly language, the evidence of the Holy Spirit through the ministry of the language that he gives us. Then I ask that you would come forward. For the board members that are present here, I would ask that they would come and, and minister to those otherwise, I'm going to ask for intercessors that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit because it was neither a pastor nor a board member that prayed for me. It was just a friend. A friend who believed and stayed with me two and a half hours until the encounter came.